You were just like I did at your age. Please don't say that, Dad. I'm 16 years old. I'm not a child. Don't you take that tone of voice with me, young lady. Love you, Dad. I love you too, son. You're listening to Honey, We Made a Disney Podcast. Two friends since first grade, now dads reliving the Disney movies we grew up in with our own kids. I'm J.B. Wagner. And I'm Eddie Ferguson. And on today's episode, while we talk about a strange green substance, we also talk about what we're not supposed to be talking about. But first, J.B., how are you and the family? We're doing good. It's been so long since we've had our last episode. A lot of things has, has happened. You're not even in the country anymore. We went to Disneyland in the middle of there. We were amping up. We we're amping up our listeners for that. And then we left. Just to be clear, I'm in a country. I'm just not in the country. The country. Not in the country anymore. No longer in Indiana. I'm not adift at sea. I'm not, I'm not in... Uh in space on a bar somewhere in the, in the ocean. Speaking of, uh, I didn't ask you this earlier, but, uh, you, you spoke of the, the homeland, the great state of Indiana. Did you get the gifts that I sent you? Yes. I enjoyed the, uh, the bumper stickers and all the stuff. We also have almost finished off the chocolate Mandarin, Mandarin pieces. (laughs) Those are almost completely gone. My kids love them. They've eaten them a lot. Wow. You shared them with your kids. Well, I just wanted to make sure you had a little piece of of Indiana to re- to remember the great state of Indiana by. Well, it helps that our our kids got them mostly because we decided to do whole thirty for the month of January, and so we couldn't have any of it. So they kind of helped pilfer a little bit of it until we were able to kind of add it in. That's right. It was right at the very end that I, I got I got it mailed off to you guys. So you. Guys went to Disneyland. Yep. Had a rousing time. Amazing time. Got myself a lightsaber, which I don't have here. I have it in my mounted in my office. Mounted is a strong word. There's a I was gonna say clear, mounted. There's a clear plastic uh pieces that are holding it up, but it looks like it's suspended <laughs> midair. You said mounted like uh the the people who mount their, you know, ten point deer. The ten point ten bucks point up on buck. the wall. Yeah. Yep. Um, now you did that with together, right? Like you and, or was it just you? Did you both get them? Yeah. So me and my son did the whole lightsaber experience together and it was everything that I wanted from the lightsaber experience, the, the, the theater of it, uh, the main guy leading us through it, fully bought into the moment of it. And there's the whole moment where, there's another Jedi that like speaks to you in the middle of it. I don't want to give away Ooh. any hints. The light, the whole room turns a certain color. It was just a so great experience. He, here's what we need to know. What color was your Kyber crystal? I went with green. Ooh. After Yoda. Luke. So, oh, I was specifically for Luke. Yoda, but Luke as well. Luke in return of the Jedi. That moment. That's, Jedi seared in my mind. Like when I think of lightsaber, I think of Luke having made his own and bringing it out for the return of the Jedi. Like, and that at the end of season two of Mandalorian, which has been out for a while. So no, you know, spoilers needed. But when he shows up, like the moment that X-Wing flies in, well, we've talked about it. We did a whole episode on it. Uh, And then you see him use the green lightsaber. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I get chills just thinking about it. Where are you at in Boba Fett? 
We're all caught up. We're all caught up on Boba Fett. So you are well aware. I'm well aware of things that one should be aware of. Exactly. And, and uh, I have a feeling we will be doing a full recap of Boba Fett. Oh, yeah. We're going to need to do that for next. Maybe that'll be our next week um, episode. We'll just talk about Boba Fett. When is it? Fin- Does it go to a full 10? No, there's only seven episodes tomorrow. Uh, Wednesday is the last episode of the series. No, I thought yep. it was a full 10. Nope. It's the last one tomorrow. Okay. Uh, I'll save things for our Boba Fett recap. I'll Great. just, I'll just say this one thing. John Favreau should rule all of Lucasfilm and Disney. He just, should take just, over. Just hand it over to him. Just let him have it. Um, I, this past month, just like in the midst of traveling and moving and all the craziness we've been going through uh, and having a baby, uh, we've had a lot. We've had a lot since our last episode. We've had a baby. We've moved to a foreign country. Wonderful uh, experience, but a lot going on. I've been watching The Chef Show on Netflix. So he did a movie called The Chef. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And there's um, the chef that trained him for that movie. The two of them have now gone on and they do this show on Netflix called The Chef Show. So the movie was called Chef. Yeah. The the TV show is called The Chef Show. There we go. Um, And it's them just cooking together. Like he's now found this hobby in cooking as a result of making that movie, which I really love that movie. Um, And I'm just like even greater man crush on John Favreau post watching all of that, which has nothing to do with all the amazing things that he's doing with star Wars and all of that fun stuff. So yes. So next week we'll have to recap uh, Boba Fett. Um, I'm sure we can squeeze it in there. You can bring your lightsaber. I should. I should. I should put it on my. I should put on the calendar to take it home this weekend. Um, Unmount it. I just. (laughs) I just want it. I want to see the security footage of you walking in with your lightsaber into the office. Into the office. I do have a sheath for it uh, that was provided it was part of the payment was this oh, okay bag for it so, so you didn't like proudly i didn't wield it yield the it. office because that was going to be my next question was it lit because you know me i would have been walking in there full <laughs> lit. the main one hey bob what's going on good to see you yep Susie. good morning to you happy monday it was more like hey have you seen the lightsaber i bought over the one at disneyland do you want to come see it do Please tell together? me you, you, you did the Brian thing. I just, hey, I just hey, want to, hey, 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 hey you want to hey. see my light? <laughs> Mom, you can tell dad that we, uh, we talked about him on the podcast today because uh, uh, Sherry listens to our podcast. So. Oh, do you want to, did you see the text that I sent you? Yes. My, tell me, tell me, tell me more about this text that you got from your my, sister, right? <clears throat> from my sister, my nephew, um, who is seven got, uh, uh, he and his brother got an Alexa dot for their room. Did your heart sink? Yeah, and your- uh, yeah. We we won't go down that that trail. But um, so he said, "Hey Alexa, play Uncle Eddie's podcast." <laughs> and yes, she she of course did nothing. 
He tried it multiple times and went and asked my sister why this wasn't working. And she had to explain to him that Siri, you know, Alexa doesn't know. Yep. Um, and that if they had Siri, she would have known. She would have been able to figure that out. So here we are. We a big thing hit Disney Plus. Yes. In uh, I, I, I hope they release the numbers because I think it would be. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if this is the biggest thing to hit Disney Plus. Uh, I've not seen. I try to look around to see if they hit uh, if they released any numbers. The only thing I've seen is just box office numbers. So we are talking about Encanto. Is that the pronunciation? Is not not Encanto. It's not Encanto. It's Encanto. 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 Which had a a normal box office release. I think it was about just shy of three hundred. So I don't know if this is oh, I don't know if this is U.S. or combined, but I'm seeing two hundred thirty three million um, for on one one of the sites that I'm looking at right here. But I don't know if that is uh, worldwide or yeah. It says combined. It it's two thirty seven two thirty seven ish. So. Which is not great for outside of the pandemic, but for the pandemic, that's right up there. So that was November. That's right before Omicron stuff started really going crazy, yep. but it's kind of just starting to roll up. Um, but then Christmas Day is when it hit Disney Plus. Oh, yeah. Had, had Did you go see it beforehand or was Disney Plus your first viewing? So I took my son to go see it in okay. theaters when it came out. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it was Thanksgiving weekend. It might have been the weekend after. But that was the second film that I saw with him in theaters because we had done Pixar Day or um, Disney Days at the uh, at the theater where we went and saw oh, yeah. a Pixar film. And this time was the first one. Okay, this is a new film he had never seen before. Uh, that we got to see together and he enjoyed it at least when we first saw it at least we have now watched my my daughter loves it loves Encanto and wants to watch it all the time so she has burned him out on it now at this point so okay we uh we saw it for the first time Christmas day on Disney plus um now mind you we now live in Latin America. Um, I speak Spanish. We so we have a uh, a love and a joy for Latin culture. So we're uh, automatically biased. But what what was your what was your take first time seeing it? I loved it. Like it need I need to wait a little bit to let it kind of settle. Um, it's been a couple, it's been a month and a half since, since Christmas, but hold on. Here's, here's what I'm about to say. Uh, cause I, I may renege on this, but maybe top five Disney movies for me of all time. Okay. Like I thought this was fantastic, like fantastic characters, fun story, the art direction and visuals. I mean, when have we seen, I mean, for me, it's probably been since uh, Princess and the Frog that I've seen some art direction that I'm like, whoa, that's okay. You know, from a, from Disney animation studios. Yeah. Um, I, I just loved it. Then, then, like that on its own 
carries it. Then you throw in Lin-Manuel Miranda's just earworms of songs. Like all of them get stuck in your head. And there are just a few that I think everybody has, we don't talk about Bruno, stuck in your head. Yep. And then I love Dos Orguitos, that song. We just are like playing over and over and over and over because it's just so, it's beautiful. It's just absolutely beautiful. And it's up for awards right now, or it was up for an award, wasn't it? Uh, Golden Globe Yeah, for I song? mean, I, I will be shocked if this is not what gives him the EGOT, right? All he's missing is his Oscar. Oh. Um, this has gotta, this has gotta be what's, what, um, what completes the circle form. So I, I enjoyed the film when I first saw it, but there was something still lingering for me. Some unanswered questions that I, I wasn't quite sure. I couldn't quite connect with, uh, what the final message of the film really was until I started reanalyzing all the songs for me, music, it's mostly about the uh, instrumentation and the mood and the rhythm. It's a lot more about that for me than the actual words to the, to the songs. So those kind of go through, go through me. I don't even know what the right word is for it. Like I can't remember. Well, and these are, these are thick lyrics, thick lyrics. They, yes, very much so. They're, it, so. they're dense. There's so much in these. It took me coming back, having it on Disney plus and re listening to the lyrics of the music realize oh that's where they put the meaning behind this story that's where the yeah. the majority of the what this movie is all about is all inside of there they actually don't hit on it very often outside of the song itself which is the whole idea of your gifts aren't what make you you are what make you um, and yeah. that was the piece i was missing in the verbal storyline of the film and they didn't have a lot of visual representation of it i felt like but it's all throughout the music of it in all in many different songs from the first song all the way till the end. Mm-hmm. So I think once I got to that, cause that's the thing I was missing on it. Once I get hit that point, then I was like, okay, now I'm bought in. And the more times we have it playing around the house, just the, it's just so intricate and so detailed. Yeah. And it's a beautiful, um, leaning into the, to the family and, uh, seeing the value of the family, seeing the value of the individual within community, mm-hmm. but also seeing the value of community to an individual. Um, that I think is a, a unique for, for Disney that sells so much of a heavy, you know, you are who you make yourself to be, you know, just kind of type of, um, where you see this, the need for family, the need for community, and the the two uh, um, balancing each other out. It was just really, it was pretty. It was beautiful. Was it was Pixar? Is they are they the ones that did Brave? Pixar did Brave. There's a little bit of shadows of that in this, in the sense of like the it's not it's not it's not her or her mom. It's like they both had to come together yeah. to some degree. No, there there is a lot of Pixar themes that flow through this, right? There's a lot of emotional stuff. There's a lot of, um, yeah, in some ways it was reminiscent of inside out in some of the processing, you know, grief or trauma or different things like that. Like how, how does somebody. That's what my, that's what my wife pulled up on was the, the generational trauma aspect of, of this. Yeah. So I think animation, Disney animation, pulled a little bit of a, a, um, a page from Pixar's book 
of being willing to go into deeper, darker themes, but to do so in a way that is accessible and, you know, readable by, by a broader audience. So how often do you have to, uh, do people ask you this versus Coco? Yeah. Um, that was the debate I got in with my sister and that's a hard one because Coco, that's my favorite Pixar movie. And I think I said initially, I'm like, Ooh, this is as good, if not better than Coco. When I first told them like, Oh, you guys have got to watch this. So yeah, it, um, they're, they're, they're different for me. Um, Encanto is a musical through and through. It's a musical. Yeah. Uh, Coco is a movie about music. Yes. Um, it is not a musical. Um, and it, in many ways, uh, I mean, Coco is different because it's, it's an exploration of Mexican culture and I know Mexican culture. I've lived in Mexico. Um, and Colombia is very different and I don't know Colombian culture as well, even though there's definitely just Latin culture themes in general, but yeah, the, um, the music in this is so good. It's so, you just can't stop listening to it. At least I can't. Which one's your favorite? Dos Oreguitos. Have you gone and like hit like a, they have English translation of the lyrics. Yeah. Um, about the butterfly. It's yeah. It's just, it's beautiful. Uh, what he wrote. Yeah. It's beautiful imagery. It's very poetic. Yeah, I, I I think it's really, really fantastic. Um, and then I can't remember the name of it. My other favorite song is the the song at the very end when they're they're putting the house together. And then there at the end, when she's walking in and the different family members sing their parts. I find that really, really um, that's a really pretty song, too. Every day, a different song is stuck in my head from this movie. Mm-hmm. It's like every single day there's a different song. I just can't get around. Uh, we don't talk about Bruno. It's just one of the best. Like especially whenever they they all sing together. I know the other one. The other one is very beautiful, very heartfelt. But I just love what they did throughout. We don't talk about Bruno. Well, and that is like yeah, it's a catchy song, sure. Um, and you literally can't get it out of your head. But. Um, it is masterfully written. Like I've just stopped and really listened to it. I've watched several YouTube videos with music theorists picking it apart and like seeing all the different layers to it. Um, I think it's one of those songs that you really do see just, dare I say, the genius of Lin-Manuel Miranda. And, and I say dare I say because that's just such an overused term. Um but it really is, man. It's just, wow, the levels. And then the the video I was seeing was really interesting. He wrote the song in the old style of a, of a madrigal song. Yeah. Which is, again, another layer of playing upon the, the family name of Madrigal. I have a very serious question for you, Eddie. If you had a room in the home, what would that room be and what would your superpower be? Oh, Antonio's. I would, Antonio, like talking with animals being, yeah, his room, like the second that happened, I'm like, "Mm, yes, I'll live there. Least favorite of the gifts. 
This is actually what stuck out to me more than the the, the gift I would want to have. Um, that's a good question. I can't remember her name right now, but the one who can hear everything. Yes. Because I hate I hate whispers. Like, yes, yeah, like nails on a chalkboard to me. So to be constantly hearing all, you know, no, thank you. Though she's a great character. Dolores. Dolores, that's right. Don't get me wrong. I think she's one of my favorite characters in the whole the whole set. Yeah, I wouldn't want that gift. And and that made me realize. I think that's what makes this movie so good is that you you have twelve characters. Yeah, that's a lot. That that's a lot. That's a lot. But there's no weak link. Like they all have a strong character identity. Uh, and a strong, um, of course, much smaller than others, but arc throughout the whole movie. Like Camilla doesn't really have much. The guy who shapeshifts, he doesn't really have much of it. And and, and that's a good point. Um, I wanted more out of him. The little that he gets, and we don't talk about Bruno, left me going, "Ooh, I want, I want more from him." There's only so much screen time. I was okay right. with the fact they didn't. But I, I didn't think he was a weak character. I just wanted more of his character. Yeah. So um, I think it's worth rattling off. Uh, we don't talk about Bruno is the highest charting Disney song, I think, ever. It's beat Let It Go, which never seemed possible. But there it is. That to me is crazy. But this will go down easily as the, the modern Disney classic. Um, just give it a second. It'll take over the parks. If only Pixar, or no, no, this isn't Pixar. Never mind. I'm still a little perturbed about news I heard about Pixar not bringing their next film to theaters. It's red. It's going straight yeah. to Disney Plus. They're still doing it, Eddie. I'm sorry. I was about to go off on a rant, and then I forgot that this is Disney Animation, not Pixar. This is Disney Animation. It got a theatrical release, which they've talked about um, saying, um, oh, well, another uh, podcast that I listened to was saying, they see Disney Plus as the premier um, function of the Disney company. And so they want to put their very top best out on Disney, Disney Plus. And so that's why, and they see Pixar as their best. And so they put Pixar right out. I wish they would just come out and be honest and tell us. Yeah, just, You're just never going to see, well, one, yes. I would do both. I want Give to the, see take. Pixar movies in theaters. Pixar in theaters. We need to start this change.org right now. We need to get on there and start our next petition to get Pixar back into theaters. I'm so I'm so frustrated by this. I would watch any one of them that have come out since the pandemic kind of got started. I would have watched all of them in theaters. And they just don't. They won't. They won't do it. Maybe this is a little too inside baseball, but the um, Bob Iger, the former CEO of the Walt Disney Company, he has been the like executive chairman for the past two years. He just left, like December 31st. He did like an hour-long interview with CNBC. It's on YouTube. A lot of just like inside baseball stuff, but it was fascinating to me because he talks a ton about the disruptions in the industry right now. 
and what they're trying to do and to try and counteract that. I found most interesting, he talks a lot about ESPN and what they're trying to do in staying out ahead of the disruption <clears throat> in the sports market. But I think a lot of that is is what we're seeing here, even with the Pixar. And you saw a shorter window between uh, theatrical and coming to Disney Plus with Encanto is they're just trying to figure out what's the market now. Yeah. The world has changed dramatically and what people want is changed dramatically as well. And so I think we're just they're trying to figure it out. Well, I hope part of that figuring it out means they're going to bring it back, bring bring movies back to for Pixar. They have to. They can't they can't never bring a Pixar movie back to theaters. I just don't I I I've refused to believe this, Eddie. You got to have a theatrical experience for for a Toy Story, right? Like a Toy yep. Story is mm-hmm. um a generational defining movie going experience. I agree. Well, Encanto is not necessarily the reason that people are listening to this podcast, although I'm sure they enjoyed us bringing it up six months after it came out. Probably, well, not six months, but probably more so than the the film that we are reviewing today, which uh, I'm sure a lot of people are going, oh, really? Oh, that's on? Oh, oh yeah, that's, the, oh, that's, that's on the docket? Oh, really? Okay. Though I have to say, in my little digging, um, a few cool random things came up about this film, but we will get there. Well, the movie we are talking about today, this is episode 55. Thank you for all the listeners who've been waiting with bated breath for us to talk about it since we talked about it back in October 7th was the last episode of this podcast. My bad. We went and had a baby and moved to another country. I'm so sorry. Lost a microphone. We tried. We tried, but it's okay. But we're here. We're here. We're here now. And I found the microphone. Yes. And we are also here now to talk with you today about the 19. Oh man, I can't I I can't believe I already <laughs> forgot what year. What year are we in? 1997. The 1997 classic Flubber. Cue the Disney sound effect. Miss that miss that sound effect, Eddie. That we're not even listening to right now, but it'll add it in post. Okay. <laughs> IMDb description for 1997's Flubber is this. An absent-minded professor discovers Flubber, air quotes, Flubber, a rubber-like super bouncy substance. How did this become like a scientific uh, explanation instead of just a description? Like we have to describe what Flubber is. What they really should have said was, we paid Robin Williams a ton of money to do whatever he wanted and make us <laughs> laugh. Well, that's really, okay. So there are two things that drive this movie. Number one, Robin Williams, right? Yep. Yes. We just let Robin Williams be Robin Williams. We all know his antics and what his crazy energetic self is capable yep. of. The second thing that drives this movie is it is 1997 and they have cracked, again, air quotes, uh, some cool CGI effects. And it's like, let's just use them as much as we think we can possibly use them. Let's just have some fun here. And so th- that's the other thing that drives this movie. There's zero character, zero <laughs> um, story. 
there, you know, there's there there is a loose um, narrative that occurs. A loose narrative. It is not at all what drives this movie. What drives this movie is Robin Williams and again, 1997 CGI. I will say that, yes, the flubber itself was CGI. A lot of Weibo was practical. Yeah. Very intrigued by that use of practical Weibo that the personal assistant mixed in next to the flubber. You bring up Weibo. First cool thing that I found out in my digging. Ooh, I'm, I'm all for this. Do you know who voiced Weibo? It says Jody Benson. Yes. Do you know who Jody Benson is? Well, right now, her IMDb has her right next to a CRT TV with Ariel on there. Because she's the voice of Ariel. My goodness. I did not know this. She is the first modern Disney princess. I had no idea. That's okay. I mean, like, she's she's Disney royalty there. And she's she is stooping down to be this weird, weirdly, weirdly um, obsessed personal assistant. Uh, she's also a personal assistant in another Disney movie. She's in Enchanted. She's Patrick Dempsey's receptionist or personal assistant in Enchanted. She makes a great little cameo there. But yes, Jody Benson. She is the. Uh, the voice of of Weibo, um, which is creepy. How many moments did you just feel like this is just weird? The AI simulated body, yeah, little little I, little too far. Going and like visiting him, and yeah, no, I'm just yeah. There was a, there was a, there was a lot of unhealthy uh, relationship there. Yeah, that just was yeah. super awkward. I mean, it started off kind of in a weird spot where she's like not telling him the time or uh, she's got the wrong date on it or she's changing his calendar and things yeah, like which that. Which begs, begs the question, is he really an absent-minded professor? Because I feel or like was he, he just sabotaged. Right. So I went back and forth on this too, because the fact that he couldn't remember that his wedding, it, it really irritated me. <laughs> At sometimes, but then skimming through the movie again, because I watched this back in October, had to refresh my mind of what we were going to be talking about. I forgot about the whole scene where he comes in on the class that's doing uh, art <laughs> and just is not aware that there are two, two people there mostly naked that are there for yeah. an art class on the human body. And so I just remembered, oh yeah, there's at least some element to this. Yes, he is an absent-minded professor but it is still a lot that to not remember the wedding what was this the th second or third time that he had done that yes something like that it was a little th this is one of those you threw this in there but this really isn't a well thought out that it, it just didn't feel very natural but so second cool thing that i had no idea but figured out in uh digging i'm all ears do you know who did the screenplay for this I'm not even going to go search. What? It, who, who did the screenplay for this? John Hughes. What? John Hughes wrote the screenplay for this. This must have been one of those, I'll do one for you, and if you let me do one for me. <laughs> I have no idea. So if, if you're like, let me just jog everybody's memory here for just a little bit, if you're not sure. Like, 
early fame with 16 Candles, The Breakfast Club, Pretty in Pink, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, Great Outdoors, Uncle Buck. Home Alone. Home Alone, Home Alone 2, Beethoven, Dennis the Menace. I mean, this guy wrote uh, the 90s, the 80s and the 90s. Yes, Uh, he did all of those things. Did he direct this well as well, or was it just writing? He did not. He just did the screenplay, but the director is Lace Mayfield, who also did Miracle on 34th Street, the remake that John Hughes wrote in 1994, which is what blows my mind here. Because, again, I go back to what I said earlier. Um, What drives this movie is Robin Williams being Robin Williams and 1997 CGI effects. (laughs) Not the story, not the characters, which is so crazy because John Hughes is a fantastic screenwriter, like one of the best. When Christopher McDonald is your leading bad guy in this and he's just playing his same character he's played over and over and over again, the moment he steps his foot, you're like, okay, this movie is going to be, it's, it's, I've already understand what the level of film this is going to be. There's not going to be nuance. There's not going to be like, right. he literally says, uh, he says, why are you here? Phil he says, I'm here to steal your fiance and make her my wife. And that's what he's doing the entire film. No, no origin story for any of this. He's just that guy. Yeah. No motivation for his entire career has tried to one up, uh, professor, uh, Brainerd the whole time. Yeah, so that just blew my mind that he was the screenwriter of this. I think you are right. Uh, I think this was a favor for somebody somewhere. was like, hey, uh, we're going to reboot The Absent-Minded Professor, which the old original one I is on Disney Plus as well. Um, it's been a really long time since I've seen it. But let's reboot it, and we're going to have Robin Williams be the, the lead. It's a, it's a win-win. So then what, what, which, which of the CGI scenes would you rank as your favorite then? Like which of the moments would you say is like your, your, your top favorite if that's all we got to go on? Um, I, I, don't, I don't know how to answer that. How, how would you answer it? There's something about when he first meets Flubber. It's that, that the first meeting and he's just trying to figure out what it can do, right. stretching it out, putting over his face, trying it all around. There's such a play. There's there's such a a level of playfulness and like true discovery kind of happening there. I know it's not anything spectacular by any means, but Robin Williams just makes it magical in that moment where right. he's doing all the things. If you were a little kid testing out this substance, you do the right. very same things that he's doing. And so I think in that moment, that's probably the most genuine of any of the moments and the most fun. Everything else is just crazy. He puts it in a car. So when you when you said that, I thought of that moment. And then I thought of when he goes to the basketball court. Oh, my gosh. The basketball and is, court. And is testing it with different things. You know, he's put it on the thumbtacks and different things like that. The spray bottle, all of that. Like, th- those were kind of the two moments of, yeah, it's just Robin Williams' imagination and then they go back in with CGI and put in. I would love to see the behind the scenes without CGI. Yeah, yeah me too. What is he doing in that moment? Is he literally yeah. playing with air? Do they have a little tennis ball on a string or something like that? Kind of going back and forth. I'm so curious as to what they actually did to film that. Did they do that that early on? 
Oh, I'm, I, they've done that for a long time. Okay. That's been a thing that they've done. I just don't know the speed at which he's moving and stuff like that. If any of that could have been possible with a little ball or if it's like, nope, he's just pretending and he's just throwing his turns and we'll just make it work in, in, in uh, CGI afterwards. No, I mean, when uh, I remember when this came out, like it was like mind blowing. You're whoa. I've never really seen anything quite like this. Um and I mean, I think that's in part why it did decent, right? It had a budget of 80 million and made 178 million. Oh, wow. Um, so, you know, it it did it did its job. It made some dough, though it is ranked super low. I think it's like a 20 something on Rotten Tomato. Rightfully. Uh, third and final random thing discovered in all of this. Did you catch who did the music to this? Oh, yes. That's my second note on here. Your favorite, Danny Elfman. Danny Elfman. Yeah. So you get Robin Williams, John Hughes, and Danny Elfman. And 20% Rotten Tomato. (laughs) 20% Rotten Tomato. Something's off here. Yeah. I thought that was kind of crazy, too. The opening opening scene has a lot of Honey, I Shrunk the Kids vibes to it. Yeah. Some of the scenes later on have a lot of uh, Home Alone vibe with all the things going wrong and hurting all the guys that are trying to steal stuff. I think that's part of it is it kind of picks and pulls from a lot of different films. It doesn't have its own like true identity. Sure. So how many fruit snacks are you going to give this? So I'm going to go, this might seem harsh, but I'm going with a one and a half. It's getting a half because it is slightly TNT rewatchable. Like if this turned on, I would leave it on. For the funny, like for the for the the CGI moments where things are bouncing around, but I didn't really care to watch this again. I didn't really want to go back. It's not going to be a regular thing. I'm going to turn on, but there are moments worth lingering for. I am in complete agreement with you. I was yeah one and a half. If it randomly pops on or like a little bit ends up in some type of a sizzle reel, I'm going to stop and watch and be like, oh yeah, yeah, flubber. Oh yeah. All those sizzle reels you're watching all the time. Yeah, the compilation things, all sorts of random things pop up on YouTube these days, you know? You never know what's on YouTube. What them kids are making on YouTube what these them days. kids. I, honestly, I got to the end of this and thought, I wonder if this doesn't end up on some type of um, Disney Plus remake list. Well, didn't they, try to, didn't they try to do a sequel to it at some point? Or there was a show at one point. There's it's called the Flubber franchise. Son of Flubber? No. Oh, that's 1963. Yes. The sequel to Absent-Minded Professor. Yes. So the original is the Absent-Minded Professor, which came out in the early 60s. I no, I guess I guess this was the last one that they made was Flubber. Because there is no Flubber 2. Or is there a Flubber 2? It says Flubber franchise franchise. No, I think that's it. They're just kind of poking at everything, trying to see what they can make some money off of. And I could see this. I could see this somehow. Hey, let's who, who would they get to act to to take the Robin Williams role? Kevin Hart. <laughs> <laughs> You're taking this seriously. I did not take this seriously. This question. For for whatever reason, I want. I, I would I would have fun seeing Patton Oswald as uh, the absent-minded professor. Is he on your mind because of uh, the opening of Boba Fett? I know, and right? His, and his breaking the internet. Oh my goodness! 
it, I, I'm sure that 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 clip from Parks and Rec got a million views out of nowhere. Uh huh. It did. Everybody it did. watching it. Uh huh. Because he nailed it. Well, you also know they they knew that, and 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 made it the just, hand. They gave the fans what they want. I knew it when the moment that we I, we watched it immediately after watching that scene from uh, oh, yeah. when it when it when it aired. <clears throat> but more people got yeah. to check in next week for more of our Boba Fett commentary, which I'm sure there's going to be a lot. So I think next week we're doing mostly Boba Fett and then a brief pass through of Mr. Magoo. If we can, if we can just simply just tag that for two minutes on the backside of Boba Have Fett. Have you watched Mr. Magoo yet? Oh, yes. And I have zero desire to go back through and watch that. I think I actually had to watch it twice because of a uh, stop, start and stop, or I skimmed through it the second time. That one was rough. But we, you will get more of that on a future episode. <laughs> Not this episode. Yeah, we're going to do Mr. Magoo slash, but mostly Boba Fett. Hopefully come back for Boba Fett next week. But if you want to look at all the movies that we're going to eventually do, as long we're as we back. don't stop anymore. We're back now. We're going to be doing this more often. We're not having any more babies moving to any foreign countries anytime soon. So. We're going to we're going to try and go 52 in a row again like we did the first time. 52, 52? 52. We did 54 in a row. Well, we did 50 we did 54 of them, but we did miss one week. <laughs> that you are still sad about. You were still mad that We had a good run. We did we did have a good run. It's okay if we miss one and you were like, but we missed it on 50. <laughs> yep. We got, there's a lot. Don't worry. Don't worry. Listeners. There's a lot more to come. There's a lot more movies that need to be spoken about and a lot of movies that don't need to be talked about, but we're going to talk about them anyways, because they are in our March from 1987 until 2005. We're getting closer. So stay tuned. So stay tuned. Thanks for listening.